Hi, I'm Kevin DeCristofano. I'm Sean Flanagan. We are the Ninja Turtle Nerds, your weekly podcast where you discuss the Ninja Turtle comics one issue at a time. How you doing, Kevin? I'm doing great, Sean. I've been kind of taking a mental health week. Um, All right. <laughs> I've... I've actually, um, I, I haven't had a lot of work at work, so I've been playing, you know, Final Fantasy VII Remake, and uh, I'm almost done with that. I'm like three chapters, it's separated into chapters, okay. like three chapters away from finishing that, but, you know, it's a Final Fantasy game, so they give you plenty to do when you're finished. You can replay the chapters, and like, you, you get to like keep all your progress, and so I'll be playing that game for at least another month or two. How about you? I've been good. Uh, I saw the new Texas Chainsaw Massacre, which was uh, bad but entertaining. <laughs> um, it's like the one horror franchise. I don't really get how it became a franchise. Well, that's actually probably a perfect way to segue into the guest we have today. So today we have someone who has their own movie podcast. So maybe they have some thoughts on the movie you just mentioned. Uh, so today we have Stu from the Stu World Order podcast. How you doing, buddy? I am doing well, and that is actually a really interesting point because I am a huge horror guy. My podcast oh, is just comic nice. book movies, but I do love horror stuff. But I've never seen a Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and I don't know how. It's just one of those <laughs> franchises that I have just always avoided. And even since... 2020, when COVID happened, I went through this whole thing where it was like, I am going to catch up on all these movies that I, you know, mm -hmm. am quote unquote supposed to have seen. And I saw The Exorcist for the first time, and it was great. And I saw An American Werewolf in London for the first time, and it's great. <laughs> oh, nice. And I'll, I'll get kicked. I'll get kicked I went right through off a your similar show. Thing, um, I went through a similar thing when I was in my early 20s because as a kid, I was not I was one of those kids who wasn't allowed R-rated movies like at all. Oh, okay. So there was a lot I didn't see. And like when I was like 23, 24, I went through this period where I'm like, okay, I got to see uh, Predator. I got to see like all like the whole list of classics. Uh, and, um, and yeah, I got them all at once. <laughs> no, I had fantastic parents, and I saw all the Jason movies when I was single digits years old. I've seen all the Halloween movies several times, all the Jason movies several times, all the Freddy movies at least once or twice. Texas Chainsaw Massacre, man, I don't know why. I've just, I think it's, I just don't like realistic gross-out gore. As a fellow horror guy, as far as Texas Chainsaw... I would say see just the original, but yeah, the new one was, uh, I don't know, it was weird. He's not a cannibal anymore, has a very tiny chainsaw because now he does like chainsaw foo, so he's like throwing it at people and <laughs> so it had, it, oh. it, was like, it was like Halloween Kills. It's got really good kills, but kind of a lame story. Speaking of weird kills, there's some weird deaths in this week's issue that we're here to talk about, so we can start talking about that right now. Again, all of the IDW comics are untitled. This is normally every season where we've been like, okay, the title of this week's story is, but they're all untitled. So, untitled, covered by... Um, Eric Larson, Frank Fosco, and I still, I still, I meant to look up what this is. It's, it says IHOC. I don't know who that is in terms of comic books. I've never seen that before. International <laughs> but they on the cover. House of Comics. 
Yeah, it could there you be. Go. <laughs> uh, story by Gary Carlson, pencils by Frank Fosco, inks by Eric Larson and Andrew Pepe- Pepoy. Wow, <laughs> I can't talk. Lettering Chris Alopoulos and colors in the IDW version by Adam Gazowski. They were black and white when they were originally printed. Gotta say, I went back last week, like you heard in the episodes, and looked at my the original copies that are black and white. Yeah, these. I'm normally not a fan of like the recoloring. I usually prefer the original, but something about the image artwork, I yeah. definitely prefer the colored version. It's that, it's just like there's so much going on, I feel like it gets lost in the black and white. That's why I thought it was weird when you're like, oh no, the original is black and white. And I was like, really? An image? Because it's like, that doesn't really go with their whole thing. I mean, I get they were trying to like honor Mirage. They were way. trying to do like a throwback, yeah, to like, hey, Turtles started as a black and white comic, and they started a whole black and white comic boom. So, like, Turtles is literally credited with all the, like, you know, Usagi Yojimbo and that all the black and white stuff that came after. So, yeah, I think they were trying to pay homage to that, but it's better in color. I'm glad you pointed out that Larson did the, pa- the, the inking on this, because... I was looking at the art in this, and I was like, it's clearly telling me Larson didn't draw this, but a lot of this <laughs> looks very Larson, especially the the women. I mean, I read Savage yeah. Dragon. I know how Larson drew women in Image <laughs> Comics, and I'm seeing characters like Pimico, and I'm like, are you sure Eric Larson didn't draw this? So to hear that he did the inking makes a lot more sense to me now. So this, this comic has a cover date of September 1996, so let's go take a look back at September of 96 before we start talking about the interior here. This Month in Entertainment So This Month in Entertainment. Movies released September of 96. There was Matilda, classic, everybody yeah. knows Matilda. The Trunch Bull, right? Threw the someone over bull. a fence by her hair. Yeah, that, that's all correct. And, <laughs> and then also this uh, this month came the First Wives Club, which is something I remember seeing the poster for in Blockbuster, I feel like, all throughout the 90s, but I never saw the First Wives Club. I definitely saw that in theaters. Oh, really? Nice. Yeah, whenever I was a kid, I my parents definitely took me to see that. I remember that with Goldie Hawn and Diane Keaton. And Correct, yep. Bette Midler, is that the third one? Yeah, it's another Sounds 90s like that's her movie crew. <laughs> that I feel like at the time, like everyone had seen. And I think you'd be hard-pressed now to even have anyone know what you're talking about. Well, I've got another one of those in this list here. I feel like every month now we're going to have one of those, but... First, I want to talk about, I saw this on the list, a movie called Bulletproof, starring Damon Wayans and Adam yeah. Sandler. Yep. How have I never heard of this movie? You've Damon never seen Wayans and Adam Sandler? In 1996 at, like, their prime? That's a good movie. <laughs> How have you not seen it? I've never even heard of it. What? And I, like... <laughs> it's funny because this came out when I was like huge into Damon Wayans too. Like like when you and I met, you know, I was super into In Living Color. Yeah. And I, I watched Blank Man like a thousand <laughs> times. Like I was a huge Damon Wayans fan. I don't know how I missed this. Oh, check Bulletproof out. It's entertaining. What's it about? Uh, Damon Wayans is a cop and uh, Adam Sandler's a prisoner who's going to testify and he has to protect you him. You know... Now that you give that description, 
I think I rem- I have a vague memory of a movie with Damon Wayans being a cop, but I don't think I knew who Adam Sandler was yet. I think that might be it. Might be the thing. Yeah, I don't think I've ever. I don't think I've ever seen this. But when you started describing it, I got like a flash in my head to something I think I saw on Comedy Central, like in the late yeah, 90s. So. <laughs> exactly. Yep. That's exactly what they would have run, too. And they would have run it five times a day, <laughs> which is what they did. They'd get one movie and run it the whole summer. That was their block. Welcome. <laughs> I remember to one summer was Wet Hot American Summer on Comedy Central literally at least three times a day. Yep. Yeah, and I just the rewatched movie, Airheads. Airheads I saw on Comedy Central like yep. 50 times. Yep. That's why they liked um, Mystery Science Theater so much, is oh. it filled two hours of their schedule. <laughs> they needed that. <laughs> so the movie, we've been encountering these movies um, a lot lately. I'm telling Stu this, Sean, you know, where like we remember that at the time it was like a huge like Oscar worthy, like these movies that people talked about as being like in the vein of like, oh, this is one of the best movies ever made. And like time has shown us that nobody even remembers this movie. And that movie this month is American Buffalo. Remember I've how hyped American it, Buffalo was? Yes, I remember all the awards buzz and, oh, you got to yeah. see it. You got to see it. But no one could tell me what it was about. And today you'd be hard pressed to find anyone who's watched American Buffalo in the last five years. Is you know? Dustin Hoffman in it? Because yes. I, all right, yep. that's all I remember about it. It might be a David Mamet thing. I don't know. I could be wrong about that. <laughs> I've never heard of this movie. At least if I did hear of it in the 90s, it has not stuck with me. Oh, it was like a serious drama. So like hmm. it had a lot of like Oscar. It might have won Best Picture. Actually, I should I should know that. Let me let me 96? do a quick search on if it won no. any awards. I don't think American Buffalo won anything. Yeah, I would at least heard, have heard of it if it won Best Picture. So I, it's it on Broadway right mad. now, according to the quick <laughs> Google search I just did. Oh my there god, that's go. crazy! And it is a David Mamet. I was right, David oh, Mamet. Right. Okay, I'm not crazy. So that's probably why it was such a big deal. It was probably one of the first of his screen uh, of his plays to be, get made into a movie. If you don't know, listener, David Mamet is a big, a famous playwright who is famous for writing very authentic dialogue that he does not allow anyone to change. If you do a David Mamet script, you have to say it word for word. Always be quoting. There were rumors that he would get authentic dialogue by like even back in the 70s, like he would take like a however big a tape recorder was back then. He would somehow hide that on himself (laughs) and he would literally talk to like actual mobsters and people that he was writing about and get them to say basically get them involved in the type of scene he was writing and uh, and just directly take their dialogue. Billboard number one songs from September 96. Pretty much this whole chunk of the year. From August to November, the number one song was The Macarena by Los Del Rio. <laughs> oh, that was a dark time. <laughs> Fantastic. It is dominating pretty much every month we're going to talk about for a while here. <laughs> Video games. Nintendo Power's cover was a big old Bowser on the cover. And it says, previews Turok Dinosaur Hunter and Cruisin' USA. And then in-depth, more screenshots and strategies for Pilot Wing 64, Donkey Kong Land 2, Realm, which I don't know what that is. I think that's a game that must have had its title changed because I googled Realm Super Nintendo, Realm Nintendo 64, couldn't find anything. TV events. This was a big month for 
premieres of memorable shows. September okay. 1996. I mean, oh, memorable yeah, that's the for beginning our of the generation. TV season. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, <laughs> memorable. Like I don't mean memorable shows like Friends or Frasier or like Big Show. I mean like memorable for people our age. So September 6th, The Mighty Ducks, the animated series, yeah, which right. <laughs> people accuse of like uh, c- trying to like be similar to Ninja Turtles. So that's kind of related. Because they were all like literal crime-fighting ducks in that show. It didn't have anything to do with hockey. What? Um, Why? Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Who let that happen? <laughs> That's absurd. They like they did play hockey, but it was like their hobby. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> uh, also premiering September 6th, Superman the Animated Series. Ooh, nice. okay. September 7th, Big Bad Beetleborgs premieres. So something that was aping Yay. on uh, Power Rangers. September 8th, Blue's Clues premieres on Nick Jr. Oh, wow. So we were a little old for that. Uh, I don't know okay. your age, Stu, but Sean and I were in the seventh grade at this point. So a little old for Blue's Clues. but I'm a little bit uh, a little bit older than you guys. I was in high school at this point. Okay. So yeah. Uh, September 9th, S- Samurai Pizza Cats premieres. This is the biggest list we've had for TV events ever. (laughs) September 13th, Everybody Loves Raymond premieres. In 96? September 17th. What's that? Yeah, 96. That seems like a long time ago for that. I was going to say, I don't associate that show with the 90s, but okay. No, not at all. I definitely would have thought that show debuted at like 99 or 2000. Well, it probably got popular in like its third season, which would have been, yeah, like 1999 if if it's starting here. Six, seven, eight, nine. Yeah, there you go. Uh, September 17th, the O.J. Simpson civil trial begins. We've been following O.J. throughout this whole segment because <laughs> he's always in the TV news. So he's out of one trial into another. September 20th, Clueless premieres. The TV version. Great theme song. I don't remember that. I loved that show. I associate that show with, I feel like it was always on when I was getting ready for school in syndication. So <laughs> it, was, it was one of those, like, I'd put the TV on, Clueless was on, I'd eat my cereal, get ready, make sure I had all the books I needed, whatever. September 27th, Sabrina the Teenage Witch premieres. And that's the last right. one. Wow, so. if you would have told me... Sabrina the Teenage Witch and Everybody Loves Raymond debuted in the same month. <laughs> yeah, I that never is crazy. Would have believed that. It feels like those were 10 years apart for some reason. <laughs> it does, but... Uh, like, I definitely I, would have said, like, Sabrina, like, ah, uh, 93, and Everybody Loves Raymond, like, ah, uh, 2000. Like, boy, I never would have thought they debuted within uh, two weeks of each other. I'll get a second opinion here. Let me see. Okay, so right now I'm seeing... Su- <laughs> Um, oh no! Trust Sabrina me, the I'm not Witch. saying you're wrong. <laughs> no, because I agree with you though. It feels wrong. Um, so, no, it says September 27th on this uh, on this other site for Sabrina. Now let me check everybody. September 96. Wow, <laughs> that's crazy. Yep. Yeah, that is because I completely agree with you. They feel they feel like different different eras of my life for sure. Uh huh. All right. Uh, and the last thing we'll do to talk about the era this comic came out in, Saturday Night Live, September 28th, um, they had hosted by Tom Hanks with musical guest Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. Nice. And that was the only episode they did was the September 28th 
episode, but we haven't checked in on the cast in a while, so I figured I'd, okay. I'd go down that. So this cast for season 22, Jim Brewer, Will Ferrell, Anna Gasteyer, Daryl Hammond, so this is some big hitters in here, Chris Kattan, Norm MacDonald, rest in peace, uh, Mark McKinney, Tim Meadows, Tracy Morgan, Sherry O'Terry, Molly Shannon, and then it says featured Colin Quinn, Fred Wolf. So that's a good cast. Yeah, it's funny. It's funny to me as I watched Saturday Night Live in the Mike Myers, Dana Carvey, all of them guys era. So it's funny when those people all kind of phased out and then the Will Ferrell era came in, I remember thinking like, ah, these are all nobodies. And then how many of them <laughs> ended up becoming just huge names too. Yeah, we talked about that cast when uh, when when we were there and talked about how many crazy heavy hitters are in that one. Where like there's like an overlap where like Dana Carvey's last season is also when like Adam Sandler and Chris Rock are like showing up. It's it it it's a deep bench for sure. Yeah, where where can people find this issue? All right, so you can find this on Comicsology if it's still a thing by the time this episode goes up, and <laughs> um. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Urban Legends Volume 1. God, IDW, and your naming. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, let's talk about the cover here. We got a big shark boy taking a bite out of some turtles. Fighting the turtles. I like this cover, even though it has nothing to do with anything. <laughs> like, it's just a cool, hey, let's have them fight. It's kind of predicting where the story goes eventually, but they they do not fight this shark boy for it, not in this issue for sure. No, <laughs> no, yeah, not this one. And I like um, that Mikey's like completely in his mouth, basically. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I like that too. <laughs> I say, it reminded me of um in the new season of uh, uh Book of Boba Fett. Uh, there's the the part where the rancor like bites his helmet. I don't know if you made it to there. Oh and yeah, I saw, yeah, yeah. I saw I saw a great meme about that, and it looks like this image here, where it's like when two Lego pieces are stuck together. <laughs> <laughs> it's like you're gonna bite them apart. <laughs> but yeah, if if uh, if you want to see this cover, go on over to our Twitter and Instagram. It is a shark mutant. He is chained up and getting one chain is broken. So he's going crazy, and the turtles are trying to subdue him. Any other cover thoughts before we move on in? No, I, it, this is the thing I've noticed, too. I think it comes up next time, but now they can't decide if they want to put the covers at the end or before the issue. Like, I, I have yeah. problems with how this collection's put together, basically, so... Which is weird because when we get to IDW publishing the IDW version of Turtles, like it's all very well organized and like right. the cover of the issue is right before the issue starts yep. and yeah, it's So we rejoin Raph and Mikey defending Leo as he travels the astral plane. Right here at the beginning, I I guess now it's a contest to see how ridiculous the size can look. Because... I'm glad you said that because that was my <laughs> wow. first note too. Yeah, yeah, they look so silly here. It, it's to the point where I want to say, anyone listening to this, if you have any like actual knowledge of martial arts weapons, let me know if this is anything like a real thing. Because 
I honestly think they just don't understand what a sigh is because <laughs> like there's a lot of times and this isn't the first time we've seen it on this show where artists no. will draw it like it's three three pointy daggers and that's not what it's supposed to be. From what I understand, the reason a sigh looks the way it does is not to have three stabbing points. Uh, I'm I'm going off a memory that's kind of old, so forgive me. But I think I remember reading that the origin of the sigh is that it used to be this three-pronged thing that would hold wagons together, like the hitch, and they would have to like improvise and use it as a weapon. And the three prongs, the, the, the shape of it, allowed them to actually if, to break swords. And that's why yeah. it's shaped the way it is. You can apply pressure in a certain way with it to break a sword. Obviously, I'm not a martial arts expert, but that's why it looks the way it does. And it's not supposed to be this. <laughs> no, the, the one he has now, you could break trees. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's oh. it's huge. It looks like it's like six inches uh, around each one of the spikes. Like, it doesn't make any sense. That's the first thing I thought of whenever I saw this was like, why? Why would you draw it like that? They have never in the history of the Ninja Turtles have they looked like that. Who? What was the artist here thinking? Image. So that's... Yeah, <laughs> yeah. image. It's the, it's the edge Story-wise, Leo has is trying to maintain his connection with Donnie in the astral plane. And Donnie has been kicked out of the astral plane and is back in his body freaking out. Which, you're right, it's a really disturbing moment. And it made me feel really bad for him because he went from yeah, talking I don't know to which his is brother to more nothing. Brutal. Uh, I don't know which is more brutal. And I don't want to talk too much about the second one because we'll get there when we get there. But obviously, most people know... Bad stuff happens to Donatello in the IDW series, too. I think that's all we'll say about it. But it's brutal. And this is also brutal. And I'm weighing the two of them in my mind. Like, which one was worse? <laughs> Poor Donnie. Yeah, the yeah. art here is just terrifying with him just laying on the yeah. ground. And this just, the look on his face, just pure terror. And it's it's so terrified that the longer you look at it, the funnier it gets. But... <laughs> Just the image of him just on his back, and you know he's paralyzed and broken. He just has this terrified look on his face. So Leo tells Donnie he's going to go back and get the crew, and we're going to save you. And within that so process... So I had a note about this part. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Where I'm like, does Leo need to fly all the way home? Because he's <laughs> astral projecting himself. And yeah. then he, like, flies up, and then there's this whole scene about, like, how he doesn't know where he is or whatever. Yep. And I'm like, usually when you do an astral projection thing and you're done, you kind of just fade. Like, like they turn the hologram off or something. Yeah. And he's, like, like your, getting lost. Your body, <laughs> where your actual brain is, just, like, stops doing that. And then you just, yeah. you're back in your body. Yeah, but he's just like, I made a wrong turn somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> so he, he gets lost in the, the ether and runs into Splinter, who helps direct him the right way to his body. I just went with it because it, it makes zero sense. You're right. It should just be he wakes up and he's like, whoa, we're getting attacked by ninjas. But for whatever reason, that's not how it works in this version. <laughs> so I have Leo, a thought on this. I It's... I think the Ninja Turtles, whether the comics history or the cartoon or the movies, 
they have always taken great joy, great perverse joy in somehow just writing Splinter out of everything, whether he's incapacitated or kidnapped <laughs> or whatever. Poor Splinter is just the, the damsel in distress of this series, especially if April's not around. And I think in this book, they realized they did it, but then they still wanted Splinter to do things. So they were like, yeah, eh, he's Doctor Strange now. It's fine. Just go with it. Yeah, they weren't quite ready to lose him yet, but but they didn't have a whole lot for him to be getting done. So Splinter's your spirit guide and I guess just points in the right direction, but tells yeah, Leo... He like finger zaps him and yeah. finger zaps him home. He, he tells Leo that, unfortunately, I got my own thing going on right now, so this is all you and your brothers, and then he's out. <laughs> so, <laughs> tough, tough love, as it were. So we find Splinter strapped to a lab table, getting poked and prodded. Which, that's like the other thing they like to do with him, is just have him trapped in scientific labs. So Komodo, you know, checks in and is like, hey, when you're done, you know, doing whatever you're doing, bring him to see me. So we go back to Donnie because we we need to feel bad immediately again. (laughs) And you get this heart-wrenching page of him, like, kind of losing it and talking to himself and wondering, like, all right, well... Maybe I'm dying. I don't know. And a rat comes out and scares him. And he kind of scares the rat away and then starts to think, oh, no, the rat could be chewing on me. He's like, but I wouldn't know because I'm paralyzed. It's just it just gets awful and awfuler the more he starts babbling. Yeah, I remember my first read through. I thought that was kind of excessive, the the rat thing, uh, until it it does have it, it is setting something up to pay off at the end of the issue where. Um, yeah. It wouldn't have worked without this moment. Yeah. <laughs> but at the time, at the time, my first read through, I was like, "Oh my I don't god, know that if it is works crazy. with this moment." Yeah, because I don't know how hungry we're supposed to assume this rat was. Yeah. <laughs> so he went and got some friends. It was a buffet. <laughs> hey guys, no, not you, Rat King. We don't listen to you. <laughs> um, <laughs> we go back to Splinter, who. Although captive, things are going pretty good for him. Like, he, he meets Lord Komodo yeah. in the spa. You know, they, they have a very nice conversation together. And this is one of my favorite moments in the book. They explain that the Komodo dragons throughout are his brothers. They're not his pets. So everyone's on board with that, and Splinter goes, oh, the Komodos, I've heard of you, I thought you were wiped out in World War One." so I thought that was kind of a cool little, like, real-world tag. And then Splinter says he's a ninja, and Lord Komodo just can't accept that. Like, we've gone too far now. <laughs> so he, he asks Splinter to fight two samurai to prove he's a ninja. And the entire fight scene takes place between panels. The book doesn't even care about showing that. (laughs) You see the two guys jumping at him. Then you see Komodo's face. Then you just see Splinter standing next to these two unconscious bodies. And it's like, oh, (laughs) thanks, comic. It's not like it's a visual medium, so I don't know what the problem is. (laughs) (laughs) So Splinter and Komodo continue their conversation. Splinter gives the Wikipedia version of their origin. Which I kind of prefer. Well, I like that this, yeah, I like that this version of the or- Splinter's origin, um, he doesn't mention Oroku Nagi by name, 
But yeah. he does mention that it was Shredder's brother, which is basically keeping him in the origin. So they're still in yeah. that continuity where this is still the only version where Arokunagi exists. Every other version of the turtle simplifies it and makes it just yeah. Shredder that was interested in Tang Shen. So I like that they didn't forget it. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> and it's succinct. It, it doesn't go on too long. I think it's well done. And then you just get a weird moment of Geisha's bathing splinter. And him being like, my kids would be so jealous. And I'm like, okay, image. Got it. <laughs> so, yeah, so definitely, finally go definitely back. 1990s image. They knew what they were doing, who the, the target audience for their books were. And unfortunately, so in today's to comics world, uh, some of those people took the wrong message from what worked about these books. Yeah. Image in general. <laughs> Raph and uh, Mikey we finally catch back up with and you know they're fighting the ninjas and Raph and Pimiko kind of have this weird kind of fight slash dance thing that I liked because it was different it was interesting still weird because Raph's hitting on her but she's kind of like belittling him back so I don't know I liked the back and forth you know rapport here I didn't like that she uh, said something about them going back to being tadpoles, though. Uh, turtles aren't tadpoles. Frogs are. <laughs> yep. It's not the first time there's been a weird frog reference to the turtles. I, they're different things. And then uh, Mikey is defeated pretty pretty horrifically, I think, because <laughs> towards the end of the fight, he just kind of like falls into frame and has a ton of arrows in his shell. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think it was supposed to be for comedy, but you could definitely read that as, oh, my God, because like all the arrows are also in like the same spot. <laughs> They're yeah. not even spread out. And because this book is very big on letting you know how interconnected all the parts of the turtle are, it just hits differently. <laughs> like, I'm like, oh, <laughs> oh, my God. And I like that Raph kind of chastises him. It's like, you've been fighting one person. I've literally been taking out <laughs> everybody else. So the turtles, you know, are kind of defeated. And Pimiko and her Konichi. Konoichi. Konoichi. Konoichi, yep. Konoichi. Uh, try taking... I only know that from the 2012 Turtles I was going to say, that's going to be what you got it from. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, they try taking Leo, who has yet to return from the astral plane, and they, they only get a few steps with him, and then Leo wakes up and, you know, breaks free, and it's kind of a cool moment, and Pimiko escapes again. That's like her thing she does. <laughs> Ninja vanish. Yeah, they always have a helicopter parked right outside yes. in this series that's running that nobody hears. Helicopters are cool. Put it in. <laughs> So the turtles go to pursue, and Raph leaves Leo and Mikey for a second and then shows up in a Triceraton air car. And I like the little nod to Zog, even though I don't know also, when he I would have been this, working on this it. This car goes all the way back to issue five of the first volume. Yeah. Okay. Uh, when they were in the Triceraton world. I think it's the same design, which was cool that they, again, another thing they remembered. I like that. So Zog started building this car and Donnie finished it. So I thought that was cool. So Raph's all hell-bent on going after Pimico, and then Leo's trying to be like, no, Donnie's like literally dying. Like, we need to go deal with that. 
So priorities. We go back to Splinter, who's getting the grand tour of Komodo's digs. <laughs> I just like how now it's so. This is my room of stuff that's dead. <laughs> Here's all I my love jars a good back to tank people. scene, though. <laughs> and I, it's funny to me that Komodo seems to like dislike mutants, but they're like integral to what he's trying to do. It's just, I mean, it gets weirder when we get to the next issue, but it's just a funny thing to me that he's like, ah, mutants, yeah, abominations. Splinter, you know, is just like, did you really have to kill this guy? It's like, eh. <laughs> While they're wandering around, Mako has apparently escaped his cell from earlier. I assume he used the bits of Cyborg to, like, pick the lock or something. I don't know. <laughs> but he... You don't need to know. He's big enough to get out of a cell. <laughs> he, uh, you know, surprise attacks Splinter and Komodo, and Komodo passes out, and then it's just Splinter facing down Mako, which is a cool image. I have to say, I feel like Splinter's size changes significantly throughout this entire series, but even within one book, I feel like he's grown and shrank and grown, so... <laughs> But in this case, it works. Like I like that Mako looks so much bigger than him. Yeah, so I don't love the art in this series. But okay. that picture, if that had been a full-page spread, instead of throwing in those couple of panels of the, the turtles in the car, if that had just been a full-page spread, the, the Mako and Splinter image, God, that is striking. That is really good. That is what I wish all the art in the series looked like. It's got great water slash drool coming yeah. down. Yeah. It's a little waterfall effect there. Like Mako is almost drawn kind of Mignola esque. Maybe that's what yeah. I like about it. Is it yeah. Oh yeah, with like, like the the black yeah. face and then the white dot for the eye. Yeah, like, the shadowing and everything. Like that seems yeah. very much like something Mike Mignola would have drawn, and I love it. I gotta look that that's up. I don't know if he's ever done any turtles like art. I don't think so. But that would be a good take, I think, seeing what yeah. he could do. So we, we end the book in the alley. Leo, Raph, and Mikey have discovered Donnie's skeleton and his shell. <laughs> <laughs> I I like that they, they obscure the hands and feet of this skeleton by having the turtles kind of hovering over it in a specific uh, way. Yeah, okay. And I don't know... I guess they kind of had to do that, but I don't think anyone... No, you know what? People would have picked up on it if you could see what's going to be revealed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, if they would have drawn it with, like, people hands or something, I think people would have noticed that. People read things a lot more closely than I do anyway. <laughs> yep. And that that's just the depressing ending of the issue, is <laughs> the brothers... Donatello... And- Donatello may have been eaten by rats. (laughs) Dead husk of a brother in an alley to be continued. So, yeah, before we get into our ratings, uh, one thing Sean and I have been doing is we're going to title these issues because they're all untitled. Okay. So my title for this issue, I didn't have much I'm proud of. Uh, I went with Ninja Rat Bath. (laughs) That was my name for the issue. That's good. I like that. I went with Ninjutsu Tango just because I liked that moment. Yeah, I liked that moment. But 
I tried to think of something with the bath and I couldn't, but I, I like that ninja rat bath. That's good. I don't know if you want to come up with one on the fly. I, sh- I should probably preface our guests with this in the future. But um, <laughs> no, that's think- all right. I I got one. I think. I think I would call this okay. issue uh, "Splinter Makes a Friend." Ooh, <laughs> because Splinter's just hanging out with the people who yep. kidnapped him the whole time. They're just walking around, like being cool with everything. It w- yeah, it wouldn't be out of place if he was like drinking tea that whole yeah. time. Like, yeah, like just like. Yeah. So okay. All right. So this is where you keep your lizards. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. This is okay. This is your back to tanks. Like, if I ever win the lottery, I'm redoing my basement that way. I'm gonna I'm gonna put all just like fake back to tank things and put like fake aliens in them. Green liquid and, like, have, inside. Like, call an electrician over and be like, "Can you go down there and check the fuse box? Let me know." <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> So oddly, um, my yeah. rating went up this time. So I, okay. I gave this a four point zero because I think the book has hit its stride now. Like they kind of mine got their went stuff down together. a hair. Okay, so I think I gave last week's issue a four. I gave this one a three point eight. I was like, I I liked last week's a little more, so I had to adjust it somehow. <laughs> so I gave this one a 3.8. That's fair. Um, I don't really have a whole lot of reasons behind it other than I liked last issue a little more. And so I ha- I can't give them the same score. <laughs> I-, I just feel like um, storytelling wise, they kind of got their footing better now. And yep. I, I know this issue and next issue, I don't know if it continues, but the cliffhanger endings keep getting like... I need to read the next one immediately, and that's great when you're able to do that. And it's great, too, because it's another short volume. It's only, uh, what, like 30-something, 20-something issues. So it's it's one that you could definitely, if you've got an afternoon, you could read the whole thing, if not half of it. Yeah, it looks like it goes up to 26. So, yeah, that yeah. wouldn't be a problem at all, no. So, Stu, if you had to give this a one to five rating, what do you think you'd you'd go? I know you're not big on the art. Uh, the art, like, yeah, I'm not in love with it. I would say one of the things I don't like in comics is the random, like, let's retell our origin for people who've just joined us for the yeah. first time. So that kind of brought this down for me. Uh, a thing that brought it up was, you know, you go through two issues of Splinters getting kidnapped and something terrible is going to happen. And then, like I said, it's just like, oh, hey, what's up? Want to come tour my building with me? It's cool. Yeah, he's so not acting like a hostage for yeah, sure. Yeah, so it's it's subversive in that you're. He doesn't expecting... even seem upset. No, no, he's just walking around with the guy. I'll give it like a two and a half. I think it's adequate. It's it's perfectly fine. Okay. So that sounds like anyone have any other notes? Sounds like our I notes just like are the juxtaposition of Splinter having a pretty all right time. And then the most horrific stuff imaginable happening to his sons. And his whole thing was just, you guys are 18, take care of it. (laughs) (laughs) I think, like, boy, this series is so dated at points because it loves doing pop culture references. And this issue does it again with uh, Donatello yelling, I've fallen and I can't get up. And it's like, oh, Jesus Uh Christ, this was not meant to be read in 2020. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think next issue has even more. They double down on the the references, yes. but yes, they do. It, that's I've said on this show before too. That's why I don't like if a comic like puts in like a real president 
or oh, uh, yeah. re- really a lot of like celebrity references. It it dates the book instantly. Mm-hmm. So that's our thoughts on this issue. Uh, that's how our podcast goes, turtle style. There's another podcast out there you should check out if you like superhero comic booky stuff. Stu, why don't you tell them uh, all about what you do? Uh, yeah, I have the Stu World Order podcast. I have a list that's currently around 115 comic book movies. I have a guest come on. They give me three numbers. I basically say, like, all right, here's what you drew. And then they pick the one that we watch and talk about. So we give the movie our ups and downs because mm-hmm. we've reviewed Avengers Endgame. We've reviewed Catwoman. And, man, it's sometimes you're struggling <laughs> to find downs on great movies. Sometimes you're struggling to find ups on terrible ones. But... We believe every movie's got some positive and some negative merit, and then we grade it at the end. Yeah. Uh, I also have my website, SWO Productions, where we have pop culture articles pretty much every day, so check that out, too. Hi, and welcome to The Capsule Life, a show for the most casual and dedicated fans of comics and a member of the Comic Watch family. I'm your host, Sean. Join me and discover what the world of comics and graphic novels have to offer. From one-on-one interviews with industry professionals, roundtable discussions with passionate fans, and reviews on the latest comics, TV shows, and movies. You can also check out our website, www.thecaptionlife.com, to find out where you can listen to us, a list of all of our episodes, and where you can find us on social media under the user name at caption life you'll get a new episode from us every week so hit the subscribe button so you don't miss out okay and that is our show for this week thank you very much to Stu from Stu world order for swinging on by and one thing you might have noticed is you had an unexpected update in your podcast feed from us we Normally update on Mondays, but on Friday, you got an upload. And what that is, if you haven't listened to it yet, is we have a Patreon-exclusive show that we do every single week for as little as a dollar a month. You get access to a new episode every week of a show we call Nerd Therapy. And that bonus upload you got is last week's, I think, at the point of this upload. Something like that. An older episode of nerd therapy, but an example of what you'll get if you pledge a dollar a month at our Patreon, which is down in the show description and it's on our Twitter, it's on our Instagram. You can find a link to our Patreon page there. As little as a dollar a month, you get a new, fresh episode of nerd therapy every week where Sean and I are talking about whatever's going on in our lives that happens to be related to nerd type stuff. So go and check that out. And check us out next week when we will continue the Image Comics madness here on the Ninja Turtle Nerds. We'll see you there.